Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host, who is now in sunny California, Miss PK. How are you doing? I'm just thoroughly enjoying the fact that it's supposed to rain, and it's going to be raining throughout tomorrow, and they're a little concerned about the area, thank you, God, a little south west of us, that's because of the mudslides. It starts to rain because oh. of all the fires. Oh, yes. that's right. Yes. Oh, yes. my goodness. Uh-huh. Oh, well, you but left sunny Arizona for rainy California. Oh, my. Yeah, it's in the high 70s in Arizona. I think I did think yeah. about gas words. I know. <laughs> but that's not unusual. No, gosh, I know. Well, hey, we're, we're in Mercury retrograde, which is always no fun at all. So you never know what's coming down the pike with that, right? Well, let's face it. When Mercury goes retrograde, the only thing you can count on is don't count on anything. Right. Well, look what happened to us last good week. Faith, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, with Storm Fairy Wolf, first I got kicked off the air. Then you mm-hmm. got kicked off the air. Then Storm got kicked off the air. So finally, Storm and I got back fun. on the air. But, uh, oh, my goodness, it was a crazy, unstable radio board last week. But we just, we figured out that the fairies were trying to tell us something, and we got their messages and communicated the messages to our audience. So, hey, if you guys haven't heard that show, you need to go back and listen. It was incredible what the fairies had to say. And as soon as we got the messages, everything stabilized again. So mm-hmm. we were fine after we listened to what they had to say. So... That's uh, That was a, a very wild experience. Now, tonight we have a guest who is amazing. Her name is Elena Manis, and she has written a book called Soul Dog. And we're going to have her on shortly. She's actually out walking her dog, Bravo, right now. And she'll be joining wow. us in a few minutes. So, anyways, we will be uh, talking with her about afterlife for animals. And also the the power that animals have to really put us in touch with our heart. So before we get to all of that great stuff for tonight, PK, what's going on with the numbers? Yeah. <laughs> Does that answer your oh, question? Oh, she's laughing. Do I want to know? <laughs> uh, well, it, it's a seven universal day. Everybody's a little uh, uptight, a little skeptic at all about what's going on around them. Uh, overly tired, don't know quite, quite who or what to trust. That everything just kind of up and down. Nobody really slept well last night. You have to stop and think that today, when you're taking a look at the month itself, 
is all about details of things and everybody wanting things perfect and not knowing which way to go. So all that's got everybody tearing their hair out of that last minute stuff they have to do because of tomorrow. And tomorrow's going to be an eight day. Eights and fours are both karma. So the month is a four and the day's going to be an eight. The day's going to want a super trump, shall we say, the month itself. And mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, very interesting. What you may okay. have thought of as being perfect is going to turn around. And if we're not careful, because of the retrograde on top of this for a combination, which are both karmic numbers, by the way, it's Uh-oh. not going to set perfectly comfortable for any of us or all of us, actually. In one form or another, we'll have a little uh, nip and tuck, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But the worst part about it, if if you think about it, is retrograde's going to bite, bite us in the backside regardless of when it's taking place. It always does because we want things perfect with the four around and the work we're putting in there. But when we're taking a look at the retrograde, everything seems to be going backwards because we're not looking at things in the positive way that we could before. Retrograde meaning that things dealing with communications in any way, shape, or form are subject to getting messed up, lost. God knows where they're going to go, but they're going to come back and get us a few different times, that's for sure. But if you take a look at anything that deals with electronics, that's where we're all going to be in trouble. Because today, cars are computer-generated. I mean, that's right. Yes. To go to try the grocery store, stopped and picked up something this morning, and the next thing you know, the the uh, computer, quote, cash registers aren't working properly. Something's jumping out. Then they have to go back and try to test to get the right amount for the, the groceries, yeah. shall we say, to deal with anything dealing with your veggies and whatever, because nothing is really laid out in an easy fashion these days. So everybody's right. having fun, not having fun. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. When I know I asked you this last time. I'm going to ask you again. When does Mercury retrograde end? Well, it'll probably the end of the first week in January. I'm, no, I'm kidding. It's oh. December. <laughs> of December. Thank goodness. Don't scare yeah, me like that. It's, it's, no, it's, it's about, I think it's the, I believe it's the 16th of December, and then okay. we'll be out of it. But everybody needs to remember one thing, and we keep forgetting about mentioning this. When the retrograde starts or stops, there is a shadow period before and after that people forget about. And they think, oh, it's over now. Thank God, or it doesn't start till next week. Bottom line is that seven days prior to or at the end of that shadow period is as lethal as the actual retrograde. So do bear uh, that in okay. mind. Yes, we will That's bear that in good. mind. Forewarned is forearmed. Okay. Well, thank you again, TK, for letting us know what's happening. Now, if anybody would like their numbers read by Patricia Kirkman, you can go to patriciakirkman.com and you can schedule a private reading with her. Patricia also does her own individual classes for people and group classes. There's all kinds of things available. So make sure you contact her. And you can also find her on our Supernatural Girls website. That's supernaturalgirls.com. And you will be able to find her there as well. You can also find me there if you're interested in soul realignment. 
And it's just one more tool, one more tool in my therapy box, which I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And actually next week, we are having the originator of this process on the show. Andrea Hess is joining us for next week. So be sure you tune in. It's going to be great. And we did have some paranormal news. Now, we've been talking about UFOs because, PK, you predicted that there were going to be a lot more sightings, a lot more people reporting them exactly what's been happening interestingly enough i've been told by people in the underground that the government or whoever whomever is behind all of this is saying don't deny it just confirm it they're taking us down a road which you call the breadcrumb road and i think that's exactly what's happening no more denial but no more there's no coming out and admitting it because we know they'll never do that but they are now confirming it right Right. So very interesting what's happening. Make sure, everybody, you also go to our Facebook page. Give us a like and a follow. And we have a story there about Bigfoot that's quite interesting. Don't miss it. And also, on the Facebook page is a photograph that's in line with our topic tonight. And it is a photograph that was taken during an American Skull session that I participated in with George Lugo and Becky Andreessen. And it is a photograph that came through of my dog who died over 25 years ago. And her name was Angel. And she came through. And there is her photo. It is not Photoshopped. I don't even know how to do Photoshop. It is on the Facebook page. And you must take a look. It is an incredible photo. It's one of many that we have received during our sessions, but that was an extremely clear photo. We also have another photo, a strange light that showed up on the driveway, and it was taken by trail cam. And, again, there is no light source on that driveway, no even light, not even a street light in the whole town. So all of a sudden this light shows up on the driveway. Go take a look. This is yeah. the real stuff. This is the real deal, well, everybody. It's absolutely startling when you look at it. It's almost as if you're looking down through a window that the light is on because it's that bright and it's totally oblong and it's just as sharp as can be and just as bright as can be, and yet everything else is dark. Yes, it is a very odd picture, not not unusual on this piece of property apparently. <laughs> but <laughs> well, you know how many weird photos we have you, here. But, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I know, really. Yeah, we do have a lot going on here. (laughs) Yeah, I know, really. But anyway, this is um, the reason I posted that picture is obviously because it's right in line with our guest, Elena Maness, who has written a fabulous book called Soul Dog. And she's here with us tonight to share her incredibly moving journey with her dog, Brio. And we are so honored to have her with us because she's quite a powerhouse. Did you read about Ms. Manis? My God. I mean, she's an award-winning independent documentary director, writer, producer, whose honors include six Emmy Awards, a George Foster Peabody Award, two Directors Guild of America Awards. We can go on and on. This is one accomplished person who is joining us tonight. And, again, we're privileged to have her on the show. Elena, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You know, it's our pleasure because we – 
It's great to talk to you. We we are, I think, every single person in our audience, and certainly PK and I, we are all big animal lovers. And we've mm-hmm. often said on the show, every animal knows more than we do. We have a real respect for animals. And and you started on this journey. You had never been a dog owner. I was so surprised to read that. So please tell us how you got started with all of this. Well, I mean, nobody was more surprised about this whole journey with my dog um, than I am. Um, and the fact that I never would have thought I would have written a book like this. I was a big, uh, I was a skeptic. You know, I was trained as a journalist and you know, not to take anything as truth unless it were really backed up by was really backed up by fact. And I just—I'd never had a dog, as you said. Um, I'd always liked animals, loved animals. I grew up with cats, but um, had always sort of wanted a dog. But yeah, you know, I, I assumed that a dog—if I got a puppy—it would bring, you know, all the comfort and unconditional love that we always hear about, but that it wouldn't really profoundly change my life or view of existence. I mean, that was the farthest thing from my mind. Um, I expected to get a little puppy who'd be cuddly, and he would bond to me, and everything would go smoothly, and um, my life would go on as it had. Um, But things didn't quite turn out that way. Yeah, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So now, you true. decided to get a standard poodle, and that is one heck of a smart breed. I mean, they're known for their intelligence also. So what was it that that pulled you towards a standard poodle? Well, um, we'd had family friends when I was growing up who had standard poodles, and I'd always liked them. So I gravitated towards that breed. Um, I knew they were very smart, and I just liked them. So that's what I started out looking for. Um uh, then I, I located a breeder, and um, she had a litter, and initially I went down, I was going to take a girl puppy because I thought it would be easier to deal with in the city, um, mm-hmm. a girl rather than a boy, um, but then fate or intention intervened, and um, the girl puppy I had wanted had been the, um, uh, well, actually the the one I ended up with, Brio, had been the pick of the litter that the co-breeder wanted, but um, he had a minor problem with a testicle that didn't come down, so that's not good for breeding, so she didn't take him, and she took the girl I had planned to take instead. However, when, ah. when I first went down to look at the litter, look at the you know, litter. In, in retrospect, Brio really kind of picked me out. I mean, he was running around waving with his paw at me, and, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just thought he was going to be too much for me which um, proved initially to be true. He was very, very smart and um, very independent-minded, but he clearly had a spirit of his own. So um, initially I was very frustrated because I felt that I wasn't really communicating with him and maybe he didn't like me because he kept disobeying me. um, And I got trainers, (laughs) uh, which helped. But um, I just felt, you know... I was really almost desperate. I was desperate because I wanted this connection with my puppy, and, and I didn't feel that was happening. So I did a little research about animal communicators, and I'd heard about people, psychics, who claimed they could um, tell you what your um, animal 
a dog or a cat was thinking and feeling. So I kind of on the spur of the moment found this woman in California that had a good reputation and called her up and asked her if she could read my puppy. And I didn't tell her anything about him really except his breed and his name. And she gave this incredibly accurate reading describing where we lived from the puppy's point of view and the streets he liked in the neighborhood and um, just incredible detail that there's no way she could possibly have, had, have known. I mean, she'd know, she was in California. I was in New York. I, I didn't tell her anything. So, you know, that obviously caught my attention. And I sort of then I became more and more curious to kind of investigate what could possibly be going on here. Yes, my goodness. And also, this relationship with Rio was so important to you because you talk about in the book, you had just come out of a devastating relationship, which, hey, we've all been there. And and also, you had had a very serious car accident where your SUV had rolled over a bunch of times, and you ended up in a concussion. I did. I mean, it was on a film shoot out in Nevada, so it was you know, quite traumatic, you know, sort of a wake-up call. And one thinks, you know, there must be more to life than just, you know, working like a demon and trying to get ahead on my career (laughs) and all that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. So this was a very important change for you, a very important relationship and responsibility for you with Brio. It had a lot of impact, and you you were hoping it would have a positive impact on your life. I was. I just, you know, I certainly didn't have in my mind that it would sort of lead me on a a really very profound inward journey, a spiritual journey, and that I would develop Mm -hmm. a um, really amazing relationship with him, which which I did ultimately. But in the beginning, you know, that was not really in my mind. I just wanted like a a normal, you know, relationship with my puppy, you know, that, you know, Mm -hmm. we understood each other. Right, that you would be the master and he would listen to you and and you would kind of go on about your life the same way you did before, but everything changed. It certainly did. Um, I mean, there's a, I think there's a saying that um, if you ask for change, be prepared to change. Well, <laughs> that, 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 that certainly happened. So, you know, after this initial experience, I've started um, – investigating further because I was curious. So I talked to other animal communicators and got more and more um, amazing readings for Brio. And then I even kind of worked it into my job, persuading the network I was working for to do a story about animal intelligence that include a segment of that show about animal communication and telepathy. So, um, I got the psychic to read Diane Sawyer's dog, and again, it was amazingly accurate. And then in another story, I uh, persuaded um, the network to let me do a story and try to have an animal communicator take a reading of a horse entered in the Belmont Stakes, you know, the third leg of the Triple Crown. And it was the year that this famous horse war emblem was supposed to win the Belmont and win the Triple Crown, and... I couldn't persuade any of the trainers to let the psychic come except the trainer of the longest shot in Belmont Stakes history. It was 70 to 1, a horse named Sarava. 
so the trainer, his trainer finally agreed. I figured he probably thought he had nothing to lose. Yeah, so I right. go out the day before the race with the psychic, and she listens to the horse and suddenly says, you know, he, he says he's going to win. And everybody's jaw kind of dropped and, you know, sort of oh, inwardly wow. snickering. And even the trainer sort of asked me, well, why does she think he's going to, why does he think he's going to win? And uh, she, the psychic said, well, he wants to win for you and his owner and he knows he can do it. So, you know, we finished and I thought, oh, how, how am I going to make a story out of this? And the next day was the race, and I'm watching at home, and uh, War Emblem, as expected, was sort of near the front for most of the race. And the announcer paid no attention to Sarava until the final turn, whereupon he starts kind of screaming and saying that Sarava is pulling up, and then he ah! overtook us. He overtook all the others and he did indeed win the Belmont Stakes. Oh, you know, my God! Much, oh much my to God. everybody's shock. <laughs> so that I'm so the world cool. this has happened. That is so uh, See how your you story turned out. Oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> did you think to place, did you did think you to place a bet on that? Um, I did not. Many people oh. have asked me that. <laughs> Well, That's I mean, I was the last thought, I really didn't think he was going to win, you know. But he knew he was going to win. Isn't that a great, great story? My God, that's amazing. Oh, my God. So that was really pretty. That was, that was a major leap in my, uh, you know, oh, I bet growing so. belief that there really was something going on here that I couldn't explain by, you know, in terms of the five physical senses or, you know, the material world, you know, and definitely goes beyond that. Yes, it does. No, it no. really does. Oh my goodness! Well, we're big fans of animal psychics. We've had some on the show. I know some of them personally. Lydia Hibby is one who I know. I knew Beatrice Lidecker way back when, when all of this started, and uh, there, it's just amazing uh, to us what they can do. And the communication that occurs, even with wild animals, that they're able to mm-hmm. talk with, and you know, especially uh, big cats. We had somebody on the show who does animals in Africa. She actually goes there and talks to them and is able to help them with anything that's wrong with them. She gets them the help they need because she's she's aware, thanks to them of what's really going on. So it's it's just, just a great, great uh, thing that you're doing, Elena, bringing this forward because, again, you started out as a skeptic. So you're a great person to talk about this and turn people's head in this direction. I just love what you're doing with this book. Well, thank you. I'm, yeah, I mean, I really, I tried to sort of, you know, play the devil's advocate and, you know, wondered if maybe, you know, even if you accept that there was something telepathic going on, I wondered if they could be reading my mind and not Brio's. But some of the detail was so obviously from his point of view and and not something I had in mind or would have thought of, you know, that I, over time, I really became, as I said, more and more convinced that, you know, the good ones, and, and I used the ones that I really came to trust and believe in, um, the good ones really, it, it's real. I mean, they. I am now totally convinced that they communicate with animals. And Absolutely. That was, 
a major shift in my perspective that we can communicate uh, with another species through some invisible means of communication. And, you know, I did yes. started to do some research with current science um, about animal cognition, animal emotions, but also about animal extrasensory abilities and telepathy. Well, it's so profound, I think, what animals perceive and how they perceive it. But I was I did watch your segment with the Diane Sawyer interview and the psychic oh. talking to her dog. And it, it, I found I have to tell you the truth here. I thought Diane was a little annoying because she was kind of like, "What? You know, how did you know that?" And it's like, "Well, Diane, it's obvious, you know. It's because well, she was even dog. less of a believer than I was, you know. I mean, yes, <laughs> that came too loud and clear. Believe me, uh, yeah. And and here was the psychic who was right on the money, and actually had her leave the room so she could talk to the dog on her own. And I I thought that that was a another a really great um, way to bring this to the public eye and say, look, these animals have thoughts, these animals have feelings and consciousness, and you know, I thought that was great, but I did find her annoying. It's like, why poo-poo it? Did she have a better explanation for how this woman knew these things? No. So, there you go. Well, not that I know of, but she probably was trying to protect her journalistic credentials, you know, <laughs> being a skeptic. You know, which I yeah, was also right. to a degree, but... Yeah, I understand that. Believe me, I do, because when it comes to the mainstream media... Um, they're told, I know a lot of people have told me in the, in the media, they're told to poo-poo these things and to laugh at them and it's kind of wink-wink, you know, here's the new story, but uh-huh. And the thing is that I don't think mainstream media has kept up with the audience because the audience has grown way beyond that. And we no, I know agree, that. but I mean, this absolutely, but that show also was done, you know, what, that must have been, um, I don't know, 10... 12 years ago, at least, you know, yeah. I'm saying, I'm, oh, yeah. I do believe there's a yeah. different perception in the general public now. Oh, you're so right. I mean, that's true. There, there definitely is, definitely. Now, with your beautiful Brio, tell us more about your own experiences with his sweet soul and how he communicated with you and how you came to learn, not only from the psychics, but just from what you were doing with him. Um what he was about and how he was able to share his thoughts and feelings with you. Well, once I, you know, got came to listen better and opened up to um, what was becoming increasingly clear that he did have thoughts and feelings and was not an inferior being, but maybe even a superior being, you know, from who could teach me things. Um, um, there was he had a kind of he had a wisdom about him. I like like to call it a presence for lack of a better term. I mean, you could just look at him and uh-huh. feel like he just, he was connected to something larger than himself. And I mean, it's not that he wasn't playful and he could be funny, but he, he had a dignity and a, just a, you know, he took up a lot of oxygen in the, in the room. I mean, you just <laughs> were kind of drawn to look at him. Um, and other people recognize this too, friends and even strangers. It was, um, as a friend of mine said, you could look into his eyes and see the pyramids. Um, oh, so, what a great statement. You know, yeah. he taught me so many things about being in the moment and um, just accepting 
things. I mean, it, it sounds like cliches to say these things, but um, and beyond that, once I had opened up to this relationship and the connection, um, he um, there was really, I think, just without you know, if I hadn't opened up more, maybe I wouldn't have been so aware. But I think. He came to me, you know, with a knowledge of who I am. Um, there was just a very mm-hmm. profound recognition between us. You know, yes. I yes. always felt that he just knew who I am um, in the way that even, you know, another, other human beings didn't really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to describe. And, and, yeah, it is hard to put into words, absolutely. But you also you took him to the beach. You you he loved the water. He loved to to look at the water, the ocean. Right? Is that something that? Oh oh yeah, you... he just adored the ocean, and you know he would run. I mean, when he was younger and very agile, you know he would just run with the wind. I mean, he would just take off down the beach, and but he also had a stillness about him. Sometimes, like he could just sit looking out to sea for minutes. You know minutes at a time and it was almost like a meditation um and also he loved flowers uh not really he would he would pull me into flower shops in the city um not to get attention or a treat but he would just sit there smelling you know it really was like a a meditation i mean you know sort of taught me that you you know take time to smell the roses kind of idea you know and but dogs, you know, I don't think dogs naturally, in a dog sense, are drawn to flower smells necessarily. But <laughs> it, it was really unusual that he he just adored flowers. And unusual. he also and, uh, he liked unusual. cats too, huh? He started to form relationships with cats. Tell us about that. He, he was obsessed with cats. I mean, he would find them in the neighborhood. <laughs> He would stare at them. Finally, I had to get him his own cat, which I still have. <laughs> That's adorable. Oh, my gosh. That That's is just cute. so cute. God, what a great soul. Oh, my goodness. Ah, wow. Well, we're going to take a very short commercial break, everybody, and we're going to come back and hear more from Elena Manis, who has written a terrific book, which, by the way, I think this would make a great Christmas present, Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals. So stay tuned, everybody. You're listening to Supernatural Girls Radio, and we will be right back. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience, 
of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridium. Visit www.astridium.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridium, the beauty of being healthy. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host, PK, and our terrific guest tonight, Alan Amanis, who has written a book called Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals. You can find more information out about this book at souldogbook.com. Oh, my goodness. Alan, there's so much to talk about. So, what did you find so profound about uh, some of the psychics that you contacted to speak with your beloved Brio? What did they say that, can you think of anything in particular that really blew your mind? I know it all did, but <laughs> you started out as a skeptic. But some particular things that come to mind about what they said. Well, as I said, while Brio was physically alive, um, from the very beginning they reported these um, amazingly accurate details like once um, it was actually the animal communicator who did the Belmont um, stakes reading and I had to- told her nothing about my dog um, but on the way back um, from the filming to the city 
I, I just asked her in the taxi, can you can you read my dog? And I didn't tell her anything um, much to her. You know, she didn't like that. I just gave his name and um, his breed, and she, there was silence for a while. And all of a sudden she said, um, there's something wrong with his stomach. Um, he's Uh-oh. at a veterinary hospital, and <gasps> there's a woman vet, and he likes her. Um, well, he was very ill. He had pancreatitis, and he was indeed oh, no. in the veterinary hospital, Goodness. and the woman, the vet, was a woman. So that was pretty stunning. <laughs> Yes, that would get oh, your attention. Oh, my goodness. Sure. Yeah. And, and then there was a really, you know, it really was a miraculous healing, in my view. Um, sometime later, um, Brio um, all of a sudden collapsed on the street and couldn't walk. And I went through just a battery of very expensive tests, medical tests, and finally. Um, they did fMRIs and everything, and finally, um the neurologist um said that you know there's something wrong with his spine, and he was diagnosed with something called degenerative myelopathy and uh the Western medicine doctors who I and mean, I would never not go to a, a regular vet i mean i 'm not saying that and but they said, you know, he probably is never going to walk again normally, much less run. So he was only eight years old, I think, at the time. So oh, I was young. really devastated. And I finally, you know, I thought, what do I have to lose? You know, and a f- friend um, recommended that I call an uh, animal communicator who also did long-distance energy healing. So I mm-hmm. called, and, you know, she um, said, give me a few moments. And she finally, I thought, oh, she's going to agree with the regular doc, the Western doctors, you know, but she comes back on the line and says um, that, you know, I will need to work with them a bit more, but um, I can clear, there's something blocking the energy in his spine, but there's nothing fundamentally wrong with it, and he's going to be okay, you're going to have your dog back. And wow, um, she she did work with him a couple, a few times more, but um, he did. He walked again. He ran, and we had several more very healthy, active years together after that. So that again really opened me up to you know how could a someone over? She was in Colorado. I was in New York. She'd never met me or the dog. You know how could this happen? You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And this this was more than just reading his mind. It was reading his physical body and altering it, mm-hmm. which he was somehow doing long distance. It's You're amazing lucky the you found her. One could have with something like this. Help very happy. Are so very, very good that they can tune in in such a way that it's just mind-boggling that they're able to handle it in the way that they do. I think it's just fabulous. Yes. Well, yes. it is it's a gift. It is quite a gift. I remember mm-hmm. years ago uh, there was a friend of mine who had a dog who had been hit by a car, and they ended up having to put a pin in his leg. And so they did the surgery, put the pin in, but the dog wasn't healing. And so the owner called an animal psychic and said, what is going on here? You know, I did have the surgery done. And he's not healing. So this animal psychic communicated to with her dog, and the dog said, the pin's not in right. So 
My friend marched into the vet's office and said, you need to check this. The pin's not in right. And, of course, the vet got very defensive. Yes, it is. I did the surgery. I know it's fine. She said, I don't care what you think. You're going to go in and you're going to correct this. So, sure enough, that pin was in wrong. And because wow. the vet was the vet was going to amputate the dog's leg. So the hell you are. Oh my God. You're going to fix it. And You're so anyway, so this dog recovered fully. But it, this is a, another great example of the uh, wonderful ability that the good animal psychics have and how in this case it saved the dog's leg. Can you imagine? So, it, I mean, this is a great gift that these people have. And certainly you found some of the best of the best in your travels with Brio. Well, I mean, I was very fortunate. I mean, I did do some research into anybody getting into this. You know, I certainly recommend doing your homework, you know, you know mm-hmm. researching people and, and getting word of mouth from people you trust who have used um, the communicators, which I did, and um then once you, you know, if you have successful or, uh, readings with them, you know, I, I would continue to use them. I and mean, I found a group of people that I really trusted, and mm-hmm. they, they did not let me down. Now, well, the fact what do you recommend? So open to this was fabulous. Yes, yes, exactly. And, and also, Eleanor, what do you recommend to our audience who may want to find a really good animal psychic? How, how should they go about it? What would you say? Well, I mean, you can start with Google, um, and, you know, you come up with, you know, probably some of the more well-known names, possibly. Um, you know, if you really do it enough, you know, you'll figure out who some of the best-known people are. I mean, you can always call them for recommendations. You know, many of them get very busy, or they're not taking on new clients, but they could recommend people. Um, you can ask other dog or animal people who've used animal communicators um, for recommendations. I mean, I was, initially I was scared to do that because I thought, oh, these people are going to think I'm crazy. But I was very surprised <laughs> to learn that more more people were doing this than I had expected, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, that's, I mean, so, ideally, I think the the best way is to find, you know, a trusted friend who's used an animal communicator and you know have them tell you who they really like you know but that said i mean i think some people connect like any relationship i mean there's some communicators connect to one dog better than another perhaps or they have different ways reading an animal so a little bit of it is trial and error for your own situation Mm -hmm. that's true yeah so that's good advice Word of mouth is probably one of the greatest gifts we have available to us by researching and asking questions. It's amazing the information that's trickled down to us that we hadn't even thought about when we asked one question about one thing. All of a sudden, there's like a pool of information that comes from other directions. It's just fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so and, true. And it's, yes, that's exactly right. So now we move into another aspect of your relationship with Brio when he was getting older. And I know you have a very busy life. I mean, you had to do a lot of traveling for your job. And how how did you manage that when he as he was getting older and you saw um, what was happening with him? 
and then you had to balance your career. Tell us about that. Well, I'd always had a support system. I had to because of that, you know, dog walkers and dog sitters and a woman I really trusted who would board him, not in a kennel but in her home, um, and she would take the cat also, which was great. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I developed a support system, which I had to have of people I really trusted who knew him and could take care of him in, in the right way, which – you know, in his later years, it got difficult, you know, with symptoms of aging. And actually, I moved out of the city to the country in his last years, which made life somewhat easier. Um, and one mm-hmm. of the, my reasons for doing that was exactly because of that, to make his life easier. I mean, so um, yeah, I just wanted so, to keep him around as long as he seemed to be yeah. enjoying life, you know. Oh, absolutely. And and as he did get older, he started to exhibit symptoms where he would collapse. I mean, what was causing these symptoms that he were Well, this was, you know, eventually his eventually this degenerative myelopathy, which is as somebody explained it, kind of the Lou Gehrig's uh the dog version of Lou Gehrig's disease. And oh, so eventually okay. it began to catch up with him. So there were other incidents of collapsing, and he lost more control of his hindquarters. So I would have to sort of half carry him a lot, you know, with one of those harnesses. I mean, it's not uncommon in older dogs, um, mm-hmm. especially large dogs. But, right. You know, right. I, I certainly did everything I could to ease his way, and you know, but it was much easier in the country and more enjoyable for him. Mm, absolutely. Could lie outside in the grass and not have to lie on a hard sidewalk or something, you know. Yes, how nice that you did that. I I get the feeling you did it more for him than you, and so <laughs> what a well, wonderful I, I, I thing that I was. I think I did, especially in retrospect. I mean, there were some other reasons some other I might reasons. not have done it if you know I hadn't really considered his situation. Yes. Yes. So, and so. As I told you before we even got on the air, you know, PK and I read this, and I just burst into tears when you talked about, um, you know, his passing. Even though it was such a peaceful passing and you were with him, I mean, that's the one thing I say that's wrong with with having pets is that they don't live Mm -hmm. as long as we do. And we have to say goodbye to them, and it's so hard. And tell us about that experience for you. Well, of course it was hard. I mean, it was, I dreaded it, you know, but I finally knew and the animal communicators supported me to really believe that, you know, the time had come, you know, life was was just becoming too difficult for him and he was ready in some sense. So, you know, the day came and, you know, it's uh, for any animal lover, I mean, it's devastating. It's so hard, but I had arranged for one of the communicators to be on the phone with me when the vet came to the house so you know I had spent the whole day that day and the day before just being with Brielle 24-7 and sleeping next to him and holding him and I would just sit with him on the floor for hours you know which in itself was an amazing experience um, which I write about in the book Um, uh, maybe I won't go into all the detail now but when the time came and the vet arrived I was holding him lying on the floor, mm-hmm. and uh, I had Alicia on the phone just for 
moral support to, you know, try to be sure, you know, that he really was ready for this and it was time. So when the vet put the injection in, I felt I was holding him and I felt this incredible spiraling sensation like it was just like being in a a vortex somehow of spiraling out up and out and uh-huh. I was somehow going uh-huh. with him um mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on but I was just sort of holding on to him and the animal communicator Alicia later explained that it was his energy just going mm-hmm. out of his physical body and expanding and um, but, it, I, you know, it's an experience I'll never get over. I mean, because I physically felt the energy going out. I mean, his energy. Um, what an amazing experience, my God. my God. I mean, it really was. I, mean, you know, I guess it's not that uncommon, according to, you know, one of the communicators I read and what, you know, Alicia, the one I had on the phone, was saying. But then, you know, in the days after, I so much. Of course, I wanted him back physically, but I also wanted to somehow, you know, I wanted to know where he was, or you know, was the connection still there? Could could I communicate with him? And, um, and the answer was came to be clearly yes. I mean, again, the communicators really translated these amazingly accurate messages from Brio that. I think we're meant to prove that he really was there in spirit and is there with me um, because reports were like reports of exactly what I was doing. Um, For example, when I went to scatter some of his ashes in the ocean where I was sitting, then I'd taken a sandwich to eat, then I'd taken a book, you know, I mean, this, how could they possibly have known this, you know? Uh, Right. (laughs) Right. Oh my goodness. So you did get confirmation, and and that must have made you feel great, knowing that that was not the end of Rio. Well, that was the biggest gift probably of all of, out of this journey, this relationship, because what a profound, sorry, I just have a lingering cough from my cold, but what a profound sea change, really, in my perspective about the nature of reality and existence that... I was absolutely convinced that his consciousness, his spirit, was still enduring, still endured, and was there, is there. Um, yes. So, you know, I, I really don't have doubt about that anymore. So if that's true of my dog, it's true of every living creature. You know, that, That's right. You know, so whatever you want to call it, spirit, soul, consciousness, it, it endures. It doesn't die when the physical body ends. Exactly right. We have to stop and take a look at all the things that have transpired, the pets that we've had over the years, or even the connection with certain animals within our yard or within our space, that every creature has this capacity of loving and caring and wanting to return or receive that same thing, even when they've passed. Well, right. that's right. I mean, I mean, that's the. I think there's two big themes in the book that I, you know, hope will help mm-hmm. people or you know make people more aware and want to certainly to view our fellow creatures differently. As I said, you know, that they're right. 
they're sentient, intelligent beings with spirits and souls and consciousness, and you know, they're they're not our inferiors for us to have dominion over and control and mm-hmm. you know make a bay. That's of. right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Yes. 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 Now, I've come across some animal psychics who won't speak with uh, pets after they've passed um, for whatever their own uh, religious beliefs are, but there are certainly a lot that will speak with pets that have passed. And also, you wanted to be able – now, this is a big question we get from a lot of our friends and a lot of people in the audience because you also wanted to know, is Brio going to reincarnate and come back to you? So what happened with that? Well, I did really want that, especially immediately after he physically passed. And I really, mm-hmm. you know, was desperately searching for clues. Where can I find a puppy who would be Brio come back? And um, I had always kind of, well, I did believe in reincarnation as a child. And then when we grow up, you know, people poo-poo it. So it sort of goes, mm-hmm. went into the back of my mind. But with this, with Brio, I mean, I really... Um, really wanted to believe he could come back in another body. Um, and I still believe that I certainly am open to reincarnation. I believe that, it, um, I believe in it, but in, I didn't, I got another puppy within four months of Brio's passing. And I, I don't believe actually that he is Brio reincarnated. He's a very different spirit and, character mm-hmm. and soul and I love him a lot but he's not you know he's he's a, his own person and mm-hmm. his own don't spirit so, don't you think that's best under the circumstances because the connection that you had with Brio was so strong nothing else could really take his place in, in the sameness but the difference yeah I think you're right two. and I you know it's not that you know I have the connection with Brio I mean in some ways it becomes deeper mm-hmm. over time you know because it's more internal and yes right I, I truly feel that he's with me that's wonderful how magical for you that you had this incredible experience especially with his passing, I mean, feeling that vortex energy, which a lot of people feel just without a body, but you had the actual experience of where he was going. That is so profound. And I would imagine that beyond everything else that you experienced really, really bound you to him in a terrific way. It's, wow, you are so blessed to have had this experience of Brio. My God. I'm glad you're Oh, I know I am. Believe me. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's incredible, and I know we, you know, we all have pets that, that, and there are some that really stand out. But it is so comforting to know that when they pass, that it's not the end for them. I mean, I certainly saw that in the photographs that I posted of my angel who passed away a long time ago, and clearly, mm-hmm. and I sent that to you, Eleanor. That I know you wanted more info about it, which I'm happy to share with you at any time, but. Seeing that photograph, which for our audience, you can see it on our Facebook page, uh, the Supernatural Girls Facebook page. But when I was shocked when I saw that photo because I wasn't even thinking about Angel. Uh, We were just doing experiments in the afterlife, and there she came. And she was a very special spirit to me like Rio was to you. So I mean, I, I mean that's, that's amazing. I mean, how do you how do you explain that? I mean, 
of what happened. You know, I don't know if I, I have an explanation per se. I can tell you what happens that when I get together with the team and we're all psychic mediums, we experience what I would call a portal opening. And in photography, and we have all the photographs of this, it looks like a screen door. So you see this screen door, and then you see a vortex with the screen door, and then we all start to turn blue. So you would see in the photographs I have, you'll see our faces turn from light blue to dark, dark blue. And then we know it's kind of like sticking sticking our heads into the portal. And then when we wow. take the photographs of the screen, all kinds of things have come through. But again, like I said, I, I was so, I don't even have words for when I saw that photograph of Angel. It just was, was and I'm somebody who's not a skeptic, but, but seeing that photo, it just touched me on so many levels. It, it was amazing. And there, I did have another one. I do have another one of another dog, uh, Micah, who I had rescued from my mother-in-law, who just wasn't able to take proper care of Micah at the time. So I, I spirited Micah away from her, <laughs> much to the protest of my husband. He said, you're not going to keep him, are you? And I said, of course. I said, oh, no, I won't keep him. But, of course, I had every intention of keeping him <laughs> because he was an older dog and he was almost blind. I'm like, who's going to want this dog? He'll never have live out the rest of his life um, as, as loved as he would be with me. So, anyways... So, you know, finally my husband figured out that I had lied and I planned on keeping Micah. <laughs> Micah also <laughs> Micah also showed up in one of the photographs and I I'll, I'll send that to you also Elena so you can see it and I will post it online. But it's those Thank moments you. and I'll tell you something interesting that happened with that photo because my husband is probably the biggest skeptic on the face of the earth. And when I showed him this photo and I said, and I pointed to Micah in the picture, he teared up. I mean, he had tears in his mm-hmm. eyes. He felt Micah's soul when he saw that picture. There was no doubt that that was Micah. So, again, they, you know, they're able to navigate these dimensions better than we can. And they're much more advanced at this kind of thing. So, really? again, I... Yeah, they really can. They can have, I've I've heard little paw prints, you know, I've heard them walking around the house sometime, and I know it's not the two dogs I have today. No, I talk to people who've had that experience just like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the dog barks in the night or. Exactly. Now, did you have that, any of that happen with Brio after he passed? No, I didn't. Um, Oh. You know, I feel his presence. in meditation sometimes, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I, it's, I mean, it's very real to me, but, it, you know, it's hard to describe, but I haven't had, you know, heard, well, I, there was one incident um, that was more evident in the material world, I guess. I was driving my car and Brio while I was rode in the back seat um, mm-hmm. in, in my car, and I was uh, on the throughway and merging into the um, throughway from a ramp. Um, it was a left-hand ramp, so the traffic was on my right. And um, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I hear this sort of clanking that sounded like the tags on Brio's collar. And there was really nothing ah. in the car. 
that ah. would have caused that. So I turned, you know, I turned my head over my shoulder to look, and right at that moment, this huge tractor trailer was bearing down on me, about to hit me. You know, he was oh coming gosh. in the in the left hand lane, so he was coming. I was trying to merge in right from the left. Uh-huh. So I mean, I barely had time, you know, to break or you know and avoid him. But I mean, I really believe that was Brio, and he saved my life. I mean, it was. Yeah, I, I mean, it was right. very, it was very bizarre. <laughs> oh well, you did have that experience then. So hearing his his yeah. license and whatever else other tags. Yeah. That's a fantastic experience. Wow. Oh, my God. See, he saved you. That is so amazing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, now, you also, in your book, talk about the science of understanding uh, dogs and how they communicate and what they feel and what they recognize. Can you share some of that with us? I know people need to buy the book. To, to read all the details of it. But if you could share some of that science with us, that would be great. Um, sure. Well, I'll, you know, I won't get into excessive detail, but there's a lot of research going on now, first of all, with animal intelligence and emotions, and really in some, um, the scientists, many neuroscientists, for example, are finding that animals, um, our fellow animals, um, and dogs and some of these studies are more like us than we may have imagined. For example, uh, they do brain scans of, of dogs now and discovered that in terms of emotion, many of the same brain areas that activate in the human brain um, for uh, reward systems um, being processed in the brain are in the same areas in, in dog brains. Uh, there was one neuroscientist who, uh, after his own dog passed, he wondered if his dog had really loved him um, for himself or really just for the food. So, you know, he did a study with a study with brain scans comparing dog brain responses to food compared to responses to human praise and reward, you know, the human connection, and found that, you know, there was... Um, at least equal and often more um, activation in the relevant brain areas for the human reward as it was for the food. Um, and, wow. you know, there are other studies showing that dogs figure us out incredibly well, you know, that they really know when we're not looking or can't see them. For example, if a room is dark, there was a study showing that you know, they're more likely to go steal food when the room is dark. <laughs> the humans can't see them. <laughs> I thought that was a you know, funny study. That's hilarious. And, um, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, for people who have dogs and cats, and some of it's not so surprising, like, um, at some level. But um, it's. I think it's great that um, there is increasingly... Um, scientific empirical evidence showing how smart and how how sensitive emotionally these animals are. And then, of course, there's a, uh, also research um, now into animal extrasensory abilities, including telepathy. And the most famous name in that area is Rupert Sheldrake. I know you may have heard of him. He's oh, yes. Cambridge, yes. Cambridge University-trained biologist who um, is studying um animal telepathic abilities and he did a famous study with 
um, about dogs who seem to know when their um, people are coming home, even when it's at random times and can't be expected that they would go to the window and wait um, for the person. You know, they they actually videotaped um, showing that right at the same time when the when the human left work, for example, um, the dog would go to the window. So the, the and Sheldrake has amassed statistical evidence about this um, behavior. So uh, it's really fascinating. He did a work with a parrot also who seemed to have telepathic communication with his or her owner, her, I believe. So the, some of the current science is really fascinating. It really is, and there's so many aspects to what dogs are capable of. I'm sure you've read the information and some of the studies that are done uh, most recently about dogs being able to sniff out cancer and how dogs have even saved their owner's lives by being fixated on a certain part of their owner's body and just not wanting to leave it alone. And then the person goes and gets checked and finds out, in fact, that the dog was smelling or sensing cancer. So, I mean, again, we're just, I feel like we are so, um, we're so far behind. It's like we we really need to catch up and and understand the complexity of our pets and and the animals in this world because they're capable of so many wonderful things. And we've been taught, you know, conditioned for so long to think of them as less than us, but they're not. They're probably superior. No, it's so true. You know, and then there was a um, great um, declaration in 2012 by a group of international scientists, including neuroscientists and neurologists, who uh, declared that the evidence um, um, in scientific terms is really showing that non-human animals have, um, I think, quote-unquote, all the neuroanatomical, neurochemical, and neurophysiological substrates of conscious states along with the capacity to exhibit intentional behavior. So they're really saying that um, humans are not the only beings who have consciousness, which is really important. Um, Very important, yes. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm really hoping that these studies and also books like your great book, Soul Dog, Elena, is, um, is something that's going to help people raise their awareness about this. So they will have more uh, love and respect for the animals in the world and especially their pets. When I see things that are going bad with that, I just get so upset. Um, So I I know books like yours have a big impact for people and and they're in our consciousness that is sometimes very lacking. So again, it's such a a great thing that you're doing. I'll share another interesting story that I'm sure you and our audience will appreciate. And I know I've shared this before, but after Micah died, who was a Shih Tzu, we were devastated. And we decided we would get another Shih Tzu. So we looked for months, and there weren't any uh, litters available. Finally, we went to a breeder in Connecticut, and we saw the puppies and she was very cautious at first. She wouldn't, because the puppies were so young, she wouldn't let anybody touch them because she was afraid, you know, if somebody had a cold, that it could be very serious for the puppy. So mm. she was, I thought she was, you know, very conscious about uh, the, the puppies, which was good. But we went back and this one puppy really bonded with my husband. 
And so we decided then when it was time we for him to to come home, we would we would take him home. So we gave her a deposit and we were very impatiently waiting. Now, I'm a dream analyst, so I remember my dreams almost every night. My husband, no. <laughs> so anyways, we both woke up one morning with almost the same identical dream. And in the dream, this little puppy was coming to us and saying, you need to take me home now. And in my dream, it was because there was something wrong with the wood stove. And because this woman had a wood stove where the puppies were. And in my husband's dream, um, there was a problem with the wood stove and it burned the place to the ground. So, of course, having this experience, yeah, of the same dream made us very, very nervous. We're like, oh, my God, we have to take this puppy home now. So I called the breeder and I said, look, we're very responsible pet owners. Um, we would like to take him home early. And uh, she kind of hesitated. And then she said, well, let's, you know, give it another few days. And so we we're like, okay, but we're now on pins and needles about this. And then we both had the same dream again. So this time I call her back and I'm like, look, I I really need to insist that we take this dog and take this puppy now. So we went and got him and and we had to name him Hermes. So the messenger. (laughs) So anyways, we bring him home and oh, we're so happy. You know, so happy to have him with us. And it just, just filled our hearts with so much love. So anyways, a few weeks later, I called the breeder and I said, so how'd it go with the rest of the puppies? Are they all placed? And she's like, oh, my God, I had a terrible problem with the puppies. I said, what happened? I had a problem with my wood stove and they all got sick. Oh. Oh. Now, right then and there, right then and there, it's like if anybody had any doubt, you know, that, that these dogs and cats and horses can communicate – that sealed the deal. I mean, how yep. in the world would we have known this unless Hermes had con- he had given us the message loud and clear, you got to get me out of here. He knew there was a problem with the wood stove. He knew all the puppies were going to be sick. She couldn't release them for another, like, two weeks because they were all on the antibiotics. So they got really sick from this wood stove problem, whatever the heck it was. I don't know. But oh, my God. That's incredible. The point is, isn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. And and so, again, here it is. You know, if anybody has any doubt, they should come and talk to me and to you because they would know for a fact this is how it works. And if you're open to it, if you are, you know, somebody who is ready for, as you were, the change, you will have these experiences. And so, yeah, I mean, he's the same today <laughs> as he was back then. <laughs> Um, always giving us messages, but that was a really big message that saved him. That was amazing. I mean, that's so true. I mean, and once one has an experience like this, I mean, there's nothing like having, it doesn't, it's no longer intellectual or just words. Once you've actually had the experience, you know, that's it, right. it's, it's so convincing. You know, you, you have to, you just know that it's true. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. My God. But your experience with Brio was so transformative. I mean, it took you all the way from one end of the spectrum to the other. That was quite a journey. 
certainly has been. Um, as I said, maybe it's not over yet, but, you know, I mean, I'm certainly still a human being and, you know, I'm not a perfect human being by any means, but I, I truly feel that I'm profoundly changed. You, you know, there's just no question about it. And so, you know, unexpected. I mean, I, at some level, I, I must have been open to it and ready for it, even though I didn't think I was, I guess. Yes, yes. You know, I guess at the yes, soul like level, soul, or, you know. I think so, because it's like your soul called to his soul. And it just, I mean, he picked you out. It, you talked about that in the book. He chose you. And then the way things happened and it got turned around, you ended up with him. So is that him in the background? <laughs> he wants to talk to us, too. <laughs> you never know. It's not, it's not coming from here. My, my current dog is asleep. Bravo is sleeping. Oh, my God. I just heard a dog I thought bark, it was your dog. Did you hear that, PK? No. PK, did you hear that? Oh, I, I heard it. Yes, I thought I it was your dog. Yeah. yeah. Yes, no. I did. And I'm, just, I, I, and I'm just getting ready to have to shut down myself. I'll talk with you in the morning. Okay, I know PK heard her back, so she can only sit That's up for fine. a certain period of time. Um, but yeah, we both, we all heard it. And no, my dogs, I don't keep them in here because I have two Shih Tzus and one of them snores really loud. <laughs> so <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> he, he snores as a 300-pound man, but I heard the dog bark. You did too. So there's another well, message. Baba was sound asleep here. <laughs> so it wasn't Bravo and it wasn't my Hermes or my Gabriel and PK is in California. There are no dogs there. So I believe we just got a little message from your Brio. How beautiful, huh? Thank you, Brio. Yes. Thank you. This is, this is uh, what an exciting show. It's so great to be talking to you, Elena. It really is. And now where do you see this going in your work? Do you see you doing more, documentaries about animal communication? Is that something you have planned? Well, I, I mean, I can't say I've planned it, but I've certainly thought about it. I mean, I'd love to do that. Um, and, you know, maybe more books. Um, but, you know, animals, this is my passion, so I hope to do more more with it for sure. And, you know, certainly the science, too, is ongoing. I mean, um, if you have, I mean, I'd like to just briefly explain Sheldrake's theories about how yes, this please. telepathic communication happens for people who may not know about him. Um, so just in brief, he believes there, these are these, there are these invisible fields, so to speak, of energy, for lack of a better term, but in any case, invisible fields. He might not term it, call it energy, actually, but um, that he calls morphogenetic fields. It's a term that comes from evolutionary biology, um, right. And he believes that these fields connect um, beings who are bonded to each other in some way. It could be a dog and, the, and its human being. It could be a group of homing, pigeon, homing pigeons who are able to find their way back to their home by some you know, invisible means. Um, and that is you know, how he believes this telepath, telepathic communication you know, between a group of dogs, say, or, you know, members of the same species or interspecies communication, whether it's from one species of 
non-human animals to another or between a um, non-human animal and a human, um, that's how he believes um, this communication is happening. And I, I find that really fascinating and really makes a lot of sense in many ways. It, it really does. His theories are, are, are fascinating. And I've heard it talked about in terms of frequency, that it's like a radio station. We're all on different right. frequencies. And the people who are able to communicate with animals are able to get on that same frequency. And that's why they're able to read it so accurately. That makes sense to me also. But yeah, there, the there vi- does you know, we're all vibration and frequency, so that you know, absolutely makes sense. Oh, it does. It's, it's so exciting to be able to tap into that. As you know, some people I think do it a little more easier than uh, easily than others, and I know that the woman that you had on with Diane Sawyer, it looked like she wasn't doing private readings anymore, but she was teaching people how to do what she does, which is pretty cool. So, um, do you know anybody who's, or have you taken any classes up to be able to do this? I haven't officially taken a class. I mean, I know. Um, some of the communicators I used um, do teach it, um, and you know I, I know of others. I mean, I actually haven't taken a class. I mean, it's um, I want to at some point. Um, mm-hmm. I think part of me just wanted to develop this in my own way, you know, sure. on my own terms without actually taking a course about it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think yes. that at some point I would like to to do that. Yes, I, I mean, it's. Uh, I did take one class with Lydia Hibby years ago in Connecticut. It was so much fun. Everybody brought their dogs and cats uh, to this big hall, and it was the funniest thing because, you know, they all got along. It was like there were no problems, you know, with any – there must have been 100 people there with their pets. Mm. So, yeah, so it, it was really fun to study with Lydia and I know uh, Lydia has done a lot of work with animals through the years, and she is somebody who goes to the stables, you know, the racehorse stables, um, and and really, you know, talks to all the racehorses about how they're feeling, et cetera. So it's just, it's an amazing feel. I do hope that you will do more television about it, Ellen. Well, I think it would I, be I great. really want to. I would like to. Um, I hope so. I would ask to- I mean, are the networks open like to, to do this? Are the are the networks sorry, open to ahead. this kind of thing? Are the networks open well, to this kind of thing? Well, I'm not sure. The industry has changed a lot in recent years, so it's becoming increasingly difficult to, in terms of the traditional, you know, three commercial networks. It's hard to get the money for a high budget documentary. They're not supporting them in the way they used to. But on the other hand, there are all these other outlets um, on cable, but are supporting documentaries. So, um, you know, there there are other ways to get documentaries funded and on the air. It's just a process of raising the money and all that. You know, so it takes a bit of time, but I would love to do that. I hope so. And now with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all kinds of stuff, there, there are so many other places to go. And, um, again, I think it's so great because it would help people understand this about animals, and they are not less than us, no, not by a long shot. Now, also in your book, you talk about other people's stories of how they found their soul dogs. And, again, it's it's all about following the intuition, right, as you talked about this well, in the book? Well, it is. I mean, I'm, 
yeah, I mean, whether they found them by accident or, you know, the relationship developed and they recognized that this was a soul dog. Um, fascinating stories by people um, that I wouldn't necessarily have thought would be into this whole topic of soul dogs and animal communication, like a, another well-known uh, documentary filmmaker, D.A. Pennybaker, some people might have heard of him, had a beloved dog who he really, as he put it to me, he said, you know, as I felt with Brio, he said, you know, I felt that Bix knew me and I knew him. And he was another person who experienced after Bix passed that he heard him barking in the night, you know, that he was, you know, so convinced that that really was Bix and his wife didn't hear the barks, but he heard it several times very clearly. So uh-huh. um, it, was, it, it helped me a lot to talk to these other people who are very credible people. Um, yes. Who, like me, didn't come to this, you know, having any kind of fixed belief about this, but just experienced it, you know. Yes, exactly. It's just so amazing that you opened up to all of this after being a hardcore journalist, you know, facts is what you're you're trained to go after, and yet here is this experience that takes you much further out into the esoteric realm and the mystical realm. It's it's just great. I mean, I'm I'm impressed by <laughs> by your oh, journey. Thank you. I really am. <laughs> no, it's not thank an easy you. place to to go. Yeah, but you know, you have to have courage and trust. And to be willing to experience the unknown, and you really took it on. That's a lot of courage. Well, thank you. I mean, um, you know, I didn't talk about it for many years with most people that I worked with professionally. Of course, now it's out in the open, but, um, you know, especially in past years, people weren't really ready to hear this. And as we said earlier on the call, you know, there was kind of a snickering and dismissal of this sort of thing. Um, Absolutely. I find that so annoying. Yeah, I really don't like that. I mean, I'm really hoping that we'll see more of a wave of this kind of thing, of just really accepting it. I mean, there were some really great sociologists that uh, have talked about this and making room for the supernatural and the paranormal in our lives, that the paranormal really is normal. We just haven't made room for it. And we don't have the science yet. For it. It's something that Bob Monroe used to say of the Monroe Institute. He said, you know, all we have right now is the ability to measure the exhaust coming from the car. We don't have the mm-hmm. science to measure everything else. It's really, that's what matters. So I thought that right. was a great, um, great explanation. But it, it doesn't mean that we have to dismiss it all. It means that we need to embrace it and look for a new way to understand it. And that's what you did. So I know you're leading other people with you on this journey. Now, can people get in touch with you to share their own stories? Is there a way to do that on soul.com? Yeah, I would love that. I mean, I really urge people to do that. I would love to gather other stories, which could be subjects for a film or another book. Um, so the website for the book is www.souldogbook.com, and you can contact me um, on the website. There's contact information and there's also a Facebook page for the book. Oh, okay. Um, um, well, it's actually called the Spiritual Life of Animals. So, okay. which I, the page I run, um, you can post on there um, or send me. Uh, you, I think you can send a private message to um, 
Destroyed for Life of Animals. But the safest way is the website for the book, which is www.souldogbook.com. So it would be great to hear from people, and I'd love to hear other people's experiences like yours with this photo. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. And I know other people have had experiences uh, like that and others that they would love to share with you. And you can keep bringing all of this information to the world. And it's so healing. I, mean, it, the, I know your journey was very healing for you. And here you are, this beautiful book. Uh, again, this is a great book for the holidays, for Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever you celebrate. I mean, if you want to give a very heartfelt book, to a friend or family member, <clears throat> I highly recommend this book, and I know PK oh. does too. We've been talking about it all Thank week. You. Yeah, it's. And I it's should beautiful. say there, um, if you go to the if you go to the website for the book, um, there are links there to order. It makes it really easy. So. Um, oh, good. You know, available at all the major booksellers, but you'll find the links right on the website if you want to do it that way. Excellent, and it's also on Amazon. I would imagine that's where. Yeah, so I mean, the link to Amazon is on the website, along with some other links. It is. But you can either, so okay. you can do it through the website, or you can just go to Amazon. Either way. Okay. Oh, this is great. Well, Elena, this has been such a pleasure having you on the show. I mean, you really are remarkable in what you have accomplished in your life and this journey that you went on with. The, the amazing Brio. My God, how blessed you are. And we're blessed because you've chosen to share all of this with us. And again, thank you so very much. It's This has been great. I hope you will come back as you have oh, more experiences to share. We'd love to have you back. I would love to come back. This has really been a wonderful conversation. And I'm really grateful that you invited me. Oh, well, believe me, we've been... You know, we decided we were going to do spiritual um, events and spiritual uh, interviews in November. And when your publicist got in touch with us about your book, we jumped on it. We just knew that we had to have you on the show. We have so many animal lovers in our audience. We're animal lovers, and you are offering a very unique and wonderful perspective on all of this. So, again, many thanks. And everybody out there, again, the name of the book is Soul Dog, A Journey into the Spiritual Life of Animals by Elena Manis. Run out and get it. You won't be sorry. It's terrific. So, Elena, thanks again. And next week, everybody, as I mentioned, we are going to be talking about soul alignment with the originator of the soul alignment process. Andrea Hess is going to be joining us, and we're going to find out all about how to realign your soul with its divine purpose. So until then, everybody, I want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving and a safe one. And until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural.